Ladies and gentlemen, hopefully all of you are doing extremely well. This is Vaskar who brings you this podcast from the platform of Shah Stories. I've always been telling Shah Stories in a way that you get to hear the best of the Shah Stories from the authors from the different parts of the world when across the time. I try to pick and choose the Shah Stories which essentially project a sense of humanity and sometimes a sense of pathos because that's what life is all made of light and shade darkness and brightness so many things the interplay of light and shadow Dear gentlemen and ladies, so here is the story, the last leaf. I'm pretty much certain that you're going to enjoy the story in a way that we all enjoy stories because for each of us, our lives are made of so many different kind of stories. Every moment of life is composing a kind of a story, and we are living in that story. So when we get to know about the others, their stories, there is also a kind of curiosity that is hiding deep within ourselves that gets quenched and satisfied. Our life is made of small, small dramas, incongruities, surprises. We don't realize them ourselves, but when we see those especially from the keen observational eye of an author. They continuously keep fascinating us in one way or the other. That's the reason I decided to bring these short stories to you from the great creators, Mopasa, Forrester, Mom, Henry, O. Henry, and so many stalwarts. Here we go. Today the story which I have chosen to narrate is The Last Leaf by O. Henry. In a small part of the city of the west of Washington Square, the streets have gone wild. They turn in different directions. They are broken into small places. One street goes across itself one or two times. A painter once discovered something possible and valuable about the street. Suppose a painter had some painting materials for which he had not paid. Suppose he had no money. Suppose a man came to get the money. The man might walk down that street and suddenly meet himself back again without having received a cent. That part of the city is called Greenwich Village and to old Greenwich Village the painter's king Here they found rooms alike, with good light and low cost. Sue and Johnsy lived at the top of the building of the three floors. One of these young women came from Maine and the other from California. They had met at the restaurant on 8th Street. They had discovered. 
that they like the same kind of earth, same kind of food, same kind of clothes, so they decided to live and work together. That was in the spring. To adventure a cold stranger entered the Greenwich Village. No one could see him. He walked around, touching one person here or another, there with his icy fingers. He has a bad sickness. Doctors called him pneumonia. On the east side of the city, he hurried touching many people, but in the narrow streets of Greenwich Village, he did not move so quickly. Mr. Pneumonia was an old gentleman. A nice old gentleman did not hurt a weak little woman from California. But Mr. Pneumonia touched a jancy with his cold fingers. She lay on her bed almost without moving and she looked through the window at the wall of the next house. One morning the busy doctor spoke to Sue alone in the hall where Chelsea could not hear. She has a very small chance, he said. She has a chance if she wants to live. If people don't want to live, I can't do much for them. Your little lady has decided that she is not going to get well. Is there something troubling her? She always wanted to go to Italy and paint a picture of the Bay of Naples, said Sue. Paint? Not paint. Is there anything worth having troubled about a man? A man, said Sue. Is a man worth? No, doctor. That's not a man. It's a weakness, said the doctor. I'll do all I know how to do. But when a sick person begins to feel that he is going to die, half of my work is useless. Talk to her about you winter clothes if she is interested in future, her chances will be better. After the doctor had gone, so went to the workroom to cry. Then she walked into Johnsy's room. She carried some of her painting material. She was singing. Johnsy lay there, very thin and very quiet. Her face was turned toward the window. She stopped singing, thinking Johnsy was asleep. Sue began to work. As she worked, she heard a little sound again and again. She went quickly to the bedside. Johnsy's eyes were open wide. She was looking out the window and counting, counting back. Twelve, she said, and a little later, eleven, and then ten, nine, and then eight and seven, almost all together. Sue looked out the window. What was there to count? There was only one side of the wall of the next house, a short distance away. The wall had no window. An old tree grew almost to the wall. The cold breath of the winter had already tested. Almost all its leaves had fallen from its dark branches. What is it, dear? I said. Six, said Johnson in a voice still lower. They're falling faster now. Three days ago, they were almost a hundred. It hurt my head to count them. Well, it's easy. There goes another one. There are only five now. Five what, dear? Tell you soon. Leaves on the tree. When the last one falls, I must go too. I have known that for three days. Didn't the doctor tell you? Oh, I never heard of such a thing, said Sue. He doesn't have any sense in it. What does an old tree have to do with you? 
or with your getting well. And you used to love the tree so much. Don't be a little fool. The doctor told me your chances of getting well. He told me this morning. He said you had a very good chance. Try to eat little and then I'll go back to work and then I can sell my picture and then I can buy something more for you to eat to make you strong. You don't have to buy anything for me, said Johnson. She still looked out the window. There goes another. No, I, I don't want anything to eat. Now therefore, I want to see the last one fall. Night. Then I'll go too. Jossie dear, said Sue, will you promise me to close your eyes and keep them closed? Will you promise not to look out the window until I finish working? I must have this picture ready tomorrow. I need the light. I can't borrow cover the window. Couldn't you work in the other room? Asked Chauncey coldly. I'd rather be here by you, said Sue, and I don't want you to look at those leaves. Tell me as soon as you're finished, said Chauncey. She closed her eyes, lay white and still, because I want to see the last leaf fall. I have done enough of waiting. I have done enough of thinking. I don't want to go sailing down, down like one of those leaves. Try to sleep, Sue. I must call Bevan to come up here, and I want to paint the mountain's picture. I will make him look like a bay man. I will be gone a minute. Don't try to move till I come back. Old Bayman was a painter who lived on the first floor of their house. He was past sixty, he had no success as a painter. His forty years he had painted without ever painting a good picture. He had always talked of painting a great picture, a masterpiece, but he had never started yet on that. He got a little money by letting others paint pictures of him. He drank too much. He still talked of great masterpiece, and he believed that it was a special duty to do everything possible to help Sue and Johnsey. Sue believed him in the dark room. And she knew that he had been drinking. She could smell it. She told him about Chauncey and the leaves and the wine. She said that she was afraid that Chauncey would indeed sail down like a leaf. Her hold on the world was going weaker. Old Bremen shouted his anger over such an idea. What he cried, are there such wolves? Do people die because leaves drop off a tree? I have not heard such a thing. No. I will not come up and sit while you make a picture of me. Why do you allow her to think in such a way? That poor little Johnsy. She is very sick and weak, said Sue. The sickness had put this strange ideas into her mind, Bremen. If you won't come, you won't. But I don't think you are very nice. Just like a woman, shouted Bremen. Who said I will not come? Go. I come with you. Half an hour I have been trying to say that I'll come, God. This is not any place for someone so good as Johnsy to lie sick. Someday I shall paint the masterpiece and we shall go away from here forever. God, yes. Johnsy was slipping. When they went up, she covered the window and took Bremen into the other room. And they looked out the window fearfully at the tree. They looked at each other for a moment without speaking. A cold rain was falling and a little snow in it too. 
Mabel sat down and soon began to paint. She worked the most of the night. In the morning, after an hour's sleep, she went to Johnsy's bedside. Johnsy, with wide open eyes, was looking toward the window. I want to see, she told you. Sue took the cover from the window. But after beating rain and the wild wind that had not stopped the whole night, there was one leaf to be seen against the wall. It was the last of the tree. It was a dark green near the branch, but at the ages it was turning yellow and age. There it was hanging from a branch nearly twenty feet above the ground. It was the last one, said Johnsy. I thought it would surely fall during the night. I heard the wind. I'll fall today. And I shall die at the same time. Dear, dear, Johnsy says, so think of me and you won't think of yourself. What would I do? But Johnsy did not answer. The most lonely thing in this world is the soul when it is preparing to go on its far journey. The ties that I held her to friendship and to the earth were breaking one by one. That day slowly passed. As it grew dark, they could still see the leaf hanging from its branch against the wall. And then, as the night came, the north wind began to blow, the rain still beat against the windows. When it was light enough the next morning, John C. again commanded that she'd love to see. The leaf was still there. John C. lay for a long time looking at it, and she called to Sue, who was cooking something for her to eat. I'm in a bad girl, Sue, John C. said. Something has made that little sleeve to show how bad girl I was. It was a wrong thing to die. I'll try now, but the first thing bring me the looking glass so that I can see myself. And I will sit up and watch you cook. An hour later she said, Sue, my day, someday I hope to paint the Bay of Naples. The doctor came in the afternoon, Sue followed him into the hall outside Johnsy's room to talk to him. The chances are good, said the doctor. She took Sue's hands in the shaking hands of hers. Give her a good care and she will get well. And now I must see another sick person in this house. His name is Bear Brown. A painter, I believe, pneumonia too. Mike is an old man, and he's very well. There is no hope for him, but we take him to the hospital today. We'll make it easy for him as we can. The next day, the doctor said to Sue, She is safe, and you have done it. Food and care now, that's all. And that afternoon, Sue came to the bed where Johnsy lay. She put warm around her. I have something to tell you, she said. Mr. Bayman died of pneumonia today in the hospital. He was ill only two days. Someone found him in the morning of the first day in his room. He was helpless with pain. His shoes and his clothes were wet as cold as sores. Everyone wondered where he had been. The night had been so cold and wild. And they found some things. There was a light that he had taken outside. And there were his materials for painting. There was a paint, green, paint, yellow, paint. And look out the window, dear, it was the last leaf on the wall. Didn't you wonder why it never moved when the wind was blowing? Oh, my dear, it is Berman's great masterpiece. He painted it there the night that the last leaf fell. My dear listeners, ladies and gentlemen, hope you liked this story. If you really like it, well, my podcast deserves to be continued. Thank you so much.
take care of yourself.